Homeward is committed to partnering with parents and equipping you with the resources you need to raise your kids to become responsible adults. And Steadfast Companies, a leading real estate investment company, is proud to partner with Homeward to bring you the following podcast presentation. What you're about to hear is a program that is geared more for parents than it is for young children. In fact, if you have any kids listening with you right now, you might want to go straight to our website at homeward.com so you can review the program on your own. Bond. James Bond. Are you okay? Because you're sweating pretty profusely. But isn't that what being an international man of mystery is all about? Pardon my saying so, but having heard so much about you and all, I expected you'd be much older. Older than what? The pyramids. I'm Jim Burns. Well, physical intimacy is an important part of every marriage. And why not? The Bible has a lot to say on this topic. In fact, sex was God's idea. He created it to be enjoyed by a husband and a wife in marriage. Even so, many men and women become frustrated with their spouses over conflicts in this particular area. However, I'm convinced that one reason these problems occur is that too many couples believe that these intimate moments can only begin in the bedroom when in fact it's an all-day process of relating to each other. Well, during the next half hour, I'm going to continue my conversation with relationship expert Dr. Gary Smalley and his pastor, Ted Cunningham. They have some very interesting theories on how married couples can do a better job of meeting each other's needs in the area of physical intimacy. Experiencing the beauty of sexual intimacy is once again our topic, so keep it right here on Homework. Homeward with Jim Burns is a production of the Homeward Center for Youth and Family at Azusa Pacific University. Welcome to Homeward. I'm Jim Burns. Today is a continuing conversation with two great communicators, Dr. Gary Smalley, Pastor Ted Cunningham. We're talking about experiencing the beauty of sexual intimacy. Gary Smalley, you know this man. Uh, you've read his books. I think I've read almost all of his books. They've sold over a million copies. He's been a great influence in my life. I tell people that all the time. President and founder of Smalley Relationship Center. He's appeared on lots of national television programs. You've seen his DVDs. You've read his books. He's married to Norma, and they've been married for almost 44 years. They live in Branson, Missouri. They've got three married children, seven grandchildren at last count anyway. Pastor Ted Cunningham, founding pastor at Woodland Hills Community Church in Branson, Missouri, speaker, has uh, been married for over 10 years to Amy, and they have two children. We're talking again about their great book called The Language of Sex. I read this and really, really appreciated their down-to-earth, very biblical approach. Welcome back to our program, guys. It's just great to have you. Thank you for having us. Now, our last time together, we spoke about how honoring our spouse leads to security, which leads to intimacy and ultimately leads to, well, great sex. Just refresh our listeners who maybe didn't hear the last segment to a little bit of what we were talking about. Okay, the equation of honor, security, intimacy, and sex goes like this. Honor is esteeming your mate as highly valuable. So it's it's seeing them as treasure from God. It's making the decision that they're valuable, so you'll begin to see their valuable behavior. That leads to security, which is no longer blaming your mate for the source of all of your frustrations in life and all of your problems and all the difficulties in the marriage. It's basically deadbolting your mouth you know, not being belittling, sarcastic in, in the marriage. And then that security and safety creates intimacy. It's not like we'd like to think as dumb guys sometimes that uh, if a dozen roses didn't bring intimacy or romance into our marriage, I need to probably bring two dozen home next time. That it's a relational side, not a gift 
side necessarily, and that intimacy automatically happens. We teach intimacy isn't even something that you need to go after. It's created when you're working on the relationship a, and what the you're saying is skills. it's a byproduct mm -hmm. of these it's a other byproduct. things. Byproduct. Mm -hmm. Now let's get straight into this. I mean, one of the things you say is great foreplay starts before a husband and a wife actually make it to the bedroom. You know, we want to be connected, but a lot of times the men are you mentioned earlier like microwaves. Yeah. And what you're saying though that foreplay actually starts before you get in the bedroom. Mm. Speak to that. We call it chore play. And uh, when uh, we've given the non-sexual touches throughout the day, we've been connected throughout the day, even if we're both at opposite places of employment. Then when we come home, oh, some of the best foreplay, one is removing distractions. And I tell people we have a three-year-old distraction and a five-year-old <laughs> distraction right. in our home. And so I'll spend nights that Amy and I are going to rendezvous making sure the kids are nowhere to be found. Uh, I keep them away, and I'll run around the house. Do not talk to your mother. Leave her alone. Don't go near her. Because, I mean, it's just being consumed with all that. And then this is my favorite one. The sound of a husband vacuuming is foreplay. Mm -hmm. uh, that that as, we, as we work around the house, and I've never figured out, loading the dishwasher makes my well, wife that, want me. That's uh, my, <laughs> one of my favorite stories is my son, Michael. What he would do is his wife, they're both counselors. You can imagine living in my home with five different people or are professional counselors. But anyway, she'd be working until 10 counseling someone, and about 9 o'clock he'd start cleaning up the house, just making it neater. But the key was the kitchen. And so he would make sure that the dishwasher was running when she walked through the door. Loaded but, or unloaded. It didn't yeah, matter if there right, were any had, dishes in it or exactly. not. Exactly. <laughs> up with her. She, she, anyway, but he, he, the key for him was 409. That chemical that smell. That yes. <laughs> smell. She would walk through the door, he said to me, you know, and so because you came through the garage into the kitchen. So anyway, but I used to laugh hearing that. But, you know, even in my own, as I look back, as I remember when I listened to my wife, when we had disagreements was really about most everything, but we spent our time listening with each other. I watched her get turned on. I used to fascinate me how she wanted to hug and get involved when I was just listening and trying to help understand what she was yeah. feeling and thinking so that we could make a decision where we both were in harmony on the conclusion. And it was just amazing to me, but I really never understood it because the research wasn't available when I was first married. For me, it was right. probably out there, but I didn't read it. So, And the secret of all of this to the male listener is energy and sex drive are linked. One equals the other. So anything I do, so communicating with Norma, communicating with Amy creates energy. And whoa, they're engaged in the relationship. Mm -hmm removing distractions if right. she doesn't have to spend three hours giving the kids baths and cleaning up mm -hmm. after dinner and all anything i can do to free up her energy mm -hmm. it's all about preparing and getting yeah. her in the mood and that makes a lot of sense and, and we don't do that just to get them in the mood we do that in many ways to kind of serve and, and i have a section in the book that's really important because you've got to have some listeners that are over 60 uh, <laughs> i would think once in a while but What's interesting is, is if a, a man in his 40s or 50s is listening right now, I used to think to myself that, wow, if I ever lost the, you know, the ability to have sex, it was just be, life would be over for me because you know, I, I was so motivated my whole life, especially in the 30s and 40s and 50s. You know? So anyway, I think it's so important to recognize that men desperately crave and need, but we don't always know it, the connection and relationship, the honor from our mate, the safety that we're not being remade by her, 
She's not looking to me for her fulfillment and that she's getting it from God. And then, and then the f- deep friendship and intimacy is a result of that automatic result, actually, of safety. So I needed that and, and still do need it. But I'm almost 68 years old. Heart attack, kidney transplant, tons of meds that I have to take together. That wipes out, for the most part, sexual involvement. Okay. So what do I have today? Honor, safety, intimacy, which is all I've needed all my life. Mm. And I realize it, so it's not like the end of life when that ends for a man. So he needs to hear today, hey, this may happen to you. It happens to a lot of men, millions of them all over the world. The most important thing is to continue on with the honor, the safety, and the intimacy. Right. Isn't that interesting? And I think when you say that, we have to keep the end in mind, so to speak, yeah. and treat our spouses. You know, you, you have a, a, a younger marriage, if you would, with younger right. kids, yeah. and we have yeah. to be doing that now in many ways to, to enhance the relationship as time goes on. We don't have much time before the break, but I know you have a great blueprint for sexual intimacy that comes from the Bible, from the Song of Songs. Walk us through some practical ways to set the mood that you actually get from that particular incredible uh, book in the Bible. Well, if you go, if you, I like to start in chapter one where he praises her and, and actually, in his words, calls her a horse, but says, I liken you to a mare, because she's feeling very insecure about her body. Right. She's feeling very insecure. She says, don't look at me, dark I am, yet lovely. My brothers were mad at me. They made me work in the vineyard, my own vineyard I've neglected. The point there is, you know, in that day, a tan was not something of beauty. Paleness was beauty. And so, but he goes, you are like a mare harnessed to one of Pharaoh's chariots, which was a white mare that was among all these dark mares. And he says, you stick out to me. And so he immediately went to work creating security, building her up with low self-esteem. And, you know, and you get into chapter two and and they both say together, chase for us the foxes. But what I love about verse 14 of chapter two, oh, if I could, this is what I want men to get. And I, I like to remind all men that there was a time early in the marriage where curiosity and fascination reigned. And there, he says, come out, the dove from in the clefts of the rock. I want to see you. In verse 14, he says, I want to see you, and I want to hear your voice. And there was a time, guys, that we liked talking to our wife. There was a time where we enjoyed getting to know her, and we've removed that from the marriage. We, and here's what happens. I th- and I, I counsel all the time couples where the husbands are no longer creative. They're no longer curious or fascinated with their wife because they've replaced it with duty and responsibility. And so we have a lot of dutiful, very responsible husbands, but lousy lovers. Hmm. And you know, I want to get into that. We're going to take a break. I want to come back to that. That's an incredible statement. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. Roger. Well, today on Homeward, we are having a most important conversation. It's actually part two of a two-part discussion on experiencing the beauty of sexual intimacy. Uh, Dr. Jim Burns talking with Dr. Gary Smalley and Ted Cunningham, who is uh, Gary's pastor at their church in Branson, Missouri. And we're going to hear the conclusion of that conversation on the other side of this break. Broadcasting, as always, from the studios at the Homeward Center for Youth and Family on the campus of Azusa Pacific University. And APU, of course, uh, doing a lot online with our program and also some online program courses for study as well. We encourage you to learn more here at Homeward.com. Time now to turn the spotlight on Dr. Jim Burns' recommended resource. And we were talking about today, actually, a fascinating new book about how the words we use 
can make a huge difference in improving the quality of every relationship, but especially as we're talking about between parents and kids. Well, you're right, Roger. And the words we say, the way we say them, well, it has a powerful impact on the lives of others. And that's not just true in the here and now. Remember, the first book of the Bible talks about how God literally spoke us into existence. Mm. Words carry enormous potential to either build up or tear down another person. And that's why I love this book by David Timms. It's called The Power of Blessing, How a Carefully Chosen Word Changes Everything. And it's an insightful book. It's actually coming from the words of Jesus in the Beatitudes. And I think it offers a lot of hope and some great learning for how to communicate better with our family and with others. Again, the full title is The Power of Blessing, How a Carefully Chosen Word Changes Everything. It's by David Timms. It is Dr. Jim Burns' recommended resource for the remainder of this month. So be sure to visit our online resource center at homeward.com to learn more. It's available wherever Christian books are sold from Bethany House Publishers. What you're about to hear is a program that is geared more for parents than it is for young children. In fact, if you have any kids listening with you right now, you might want to go straight to our website at homeward.com so you can review the program on your own. Welcome back. I'm Jim Burns. Great conversation today. Dr. Gary Smalley, Pastor Ted Cunningham, experiencing the beauty of sexual intimacy. What a great conversation. Ted, right before the break, I kind of almost interrupted you. You said something that was so profound that a lot of men and women too, I think, but they look at duty and responsibility and not romance anymore. And I, I want you to unpack that. Yeah. It's incredible statement. It's, it's, I worked with a couple and he came in and he, he was just a 40-year-old bubba, I'll call him. And he sat down and he goes, good grief, Ted, what is it going to take for this woman to understand that I love her? And I said, well, let's talk about it. And I always go into their dating relationship because I tell them, at some point, you touched her heart. At some point, you got to the deepest level of her heart, and she fell in love with you. And now let's get to the, what's going on today. Well, I'll give you a great example. He says, uh, I weed-eated yesterday four hours the underbrush of the lot that we live on. And I, I pull the chair up real close to him, and I, I go, Bubba, bro. I said, she didn't marry you because you're a great weed eater, okay? <laughs> She's, she really didn't, didn't go home and tell her mom or get on the phone with all of her girlfriends and go, you won't believe how this guy handles a Ryobi. I mean, this is unbelievable the way he weed eats. Yeah, he, she never did that. She remembers you asking her great questions, and she remembers you giving those answers. So here's one of the best things you can do. You want a great date night? This is a great date night. Don't worry about the restaurant. Don't worry about the movie. On the way there, wives, you can even do this. Ask him a crazy question. Like for us, we grew up children of the 80s. So I, I can look over at my wife and go, oh, come on. Did you have those big bangs that everybody had in the 80s? How tall were they? She'll look back at me and go, you wore those parachute pants, didn't you? And we'll just get, I mean, go back. We want to learn new things, even 12 years of marriage. I see you do this even mm -hmm. with Norma, that as you ask great questions, they don't have to be, what happened today? How's work going? Are we getting the bills paid? All about duty and responsibility. Do something completely and totally unrelated to say, Hey, when you were in the sixth grade, my teacher did this. What did you guys do? Did you have split up classes? Or that's all. You I can mean, never get to the. You never end. exhaust the. Absolutely. Exactly. Because people are so complex. You and, and after forty four years of marriage, I'm still finding new things. Sure. As somebody broke into our home, you know, f four years ago, I guess, and kind of terrorized my wife. I was speaking in Houston when it happened, and so I was out of town, and so it was a pretty traumatic thing for her. And they got him, you know, and she didn't get harmed. But, but you know what? 
she wouldn't let me listen to the 911 tape. And I asked 20 times, and she wouldn't do it. So I got real curious. And so one of our discussions a few weeks ago, I found out that the reason she didn't want me to, to listen to it was she was afraid it was going to show up on the Jim Burns show. Yeah. Because <laughs> you know, she, she knows right. I share everything. Right. So she didn't want that out. Right. And so as we unpacked that together, right. you know, I said, "Woo, that makes so much sense." Yeah, yeah. it's amazing that we're having this kind of conversation because really we're talking about the beauty of sexual intimacy, but so much of it is about honoring and mm-hmm. and communicating and helping them understand that. And one of the things that I really appreciate that you said in this book, the language of sex, is women want gentleness, men want responsiveness. I want you guys to unpack that for me. Mm-hmm. When I do something, uh, whatever it is, I want her to b- both praise me or get excited about the pom-poms out and mm-hmm. do a little cheer. And uh, if I touch her, I want her to respond. And she's not going to do that unless I'm building some relationship ahead of that. And I'll take that into the bedroom and be very blunt that I don't know a guy alive who wants to make love to a cold dead fish. Meaning making noise was good. But... You know, to let your husband hear you during lovemaking, I mean, that's that's good. That's healthy. And that's uh, the responsiveness side that you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, and in chapter four of the Song of Solomon, as he is undressing her, oh, what a great passage. He praises this woman that's just a few chapters earlier. They're now married. By the way, that chapter one and chapter two, they weren't married. They were courting each other. And so you get to chapter four, he begins undressing her. She's undressing and he's watching and she's smiling the whole while that she's doing it, moving down through. But it says, awake north wind, come south wind. There was a strong presence in the room with him and yet a gentleness. And so women are looking for gentle lovers, you know, but guys are also looking for responsive yeah. lovers. Well, I think that's important. And, you know, you use the word undressed. You have a great story about actually getting undressed under the covers on your honeymoon. Ted. Oh, for years. No, not uh, just the for honeymoon. Years. Okay. <laughs> I want you to talk to us about working through physical insecurities. I think a lot of women have that, and I know some men do. You have a story. Oh, uh, yeah. Why don't you tell us a little bit Well, about and even this, even Norma was making fun about this with me last night because, <laughs> like, we just did a baptism in, in our church, and we baptized 30 people out in a swimming pool, and I'm, like, dressed to the hilt. I mean, I would never, and I just have a hard time taking my shirt off you know, and I'm not mm-hmm. in the worst shape of my life, but mm-hmm. I'm not in probably the greatest shape of my life. Norma has such a hard time with it. Well, early in our marriage, I grew up in an independent, fundamental, premillennial, King James Version-only Baptist church where we couldn't wear shorts, long sleeve shirts. I mean, I grew up in a very conservative, legalistic home. And so I just grew up with this image that nobody ever sees your body. Well, and we didn't talk about sex in our church growing up. So I get married. I'm not going to talk about sex with my wife. I mean, and anytime we did, Jim, I felt like a pervert. I really yeah. did. Any, and so we would get in, <laughs> and until I heard a guy one time say, and I thought, you know, I weigh about 20 pounds more than I did when I got married 12 years ago. And so I thought, hey, I, this is kind of embarrassing, but when the lights go out, the playing field is level. That's yeah. all I know. But so when the lights would go off, I'd get under the bed and we'd take the, and I wouldn't want her to see me. Like I going into these model homes that have showers that are all glass, I can like break out into hives. <laughs> but, but men have insecurities all over the place. It's not just women that have insecurities, and it's just from seeing it. And so swimming in a pool with my children in Orlando, and I, what I've, I even go out to the pool, and I'm like, look at all these people. But yeah. I think the reason we put it in there is I want men to know that right. we've got to start talking about it, too. We have insecurities just right. as much no, as women. I, I think that's a great And you overcame comment. it by? By talking about it. 
That's the key. If you're and and you I know how many of your listeners grew up in the same strict home where mom and dad didn't say a word about sex. And here's what here mom and dad, let me go ahead and say this, especially with your teenagers. If you have teenagers and you are leaving it up to the school or to the movies to educate them on sex and you don't talk about it or and and you're more than likely part of a church that doesn't talk about it, what you're doing and what I didn't realize in me and I'm 34, sex becomes guilt driven and guilt based. It's about shame. Be embarrassed of your body. That's why purity talks that focus on just don't do it. Don't even talk about it. It's just like one of the most unhealthy things you can do. You have to talk about it in a healthy way. You know, I'm so glad you brought it up. I was speaking yesterday to a group of people at the Christian Booksellers Association. Uh, I have a new book called The Purity Code. It's a book for kids. Dr. Dobson wrote Preparing for Adolescence in 84. Well, that means he didn't deal with, and he's a wonderful book, but he didn't deal with pornography issues of Mm -hmm. the internet, things like that. Absolutely. And I was saying, you got to talk about it. And then I said, hey, by the way, and I thought, no, this is kind of odd to do. But I said, how many of you received good, positive, value-centered sex education from home? In a Christian, these are Christian booksellers. Four people raised their hand, mm-hmm. and they that were, was it. and they were proud to do it. Probably they the were. rest of them yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> were and like, the, oh, and you... <laughs> the other people didn't raise their hand. And then they came and talked to me afterwards, saying, "We've had trouble talking to our children." Well, it's the same kind of thing. So, I mean, I don't know that they were raised exactly in the home that you were raised in, but a lot of parents don't talk to their kids about it. And really, then what we do is we are dysfunctional in our ability to have communication about sex. And then we have kids who are all messed up. Well, all sexual insecurities, whether it be with men or women, center around the baggage we bring into the marriage. Isn't that amazing? Thank you, Gary Smalley, Ted Cunningham. Great to be with you today. Thank you. Thank you. Gary Smalley and Ted Cunningham have been my guests today on Homeward. We've been talking about experiencing the beauty of sexual intimacy in your marriage. Very important topic. And if you didn't hear anything else we've discussed today, I want you to hear this. In marriage, there is a powerful connection between spirituality and sexuality. Studies show it. They could be Christian studies. They could be non-Christian studies. But spirituality and sexuality do go hand in hand. And I can't stress enough how important it is to connect emotionally and spiritually with your spouse on a daily basis. Hey, it's going to help your physical intimacy. That's why I want to take the final moments of our time together to talk about something that I like to call the passion plan. I have this in my book, Creating an Intimate Marriage. Just following these four basic steps can really go a long way toward, I think, improving the level of intimacy in your marriage. And part of this is being intentional. Now, here it is. Number one, kiss passionately for at least 15 seconds a day. Let me say it again. Kiss passionately for at least 15 seconds a day. Now, newlyweds are saying, what what do you mean? You know what? Most people don't kiss passionately for 15 seconds a day. Daily, giving your spouse a kiss in the morning or giving your spouse a kiss in the evening. It doesn't have to lead towards sex. Just kiss passionately. Do something that is incredibly wonderful and powerful, but it keeps the passion burning with you and your spouse. Then take 15 minutes at least five days a week to connect and talk. You know, a lot of people, again, they get so busy with their kids in life, they just don't connect and talk. Frankly, if there is no emotional intimacy or connection, and talking does that, especially for women, then there's going to be little interest in healthy romance. So find time to connect and communicate. For Kathy and I, believe it or not, we have this time a lot of times with our dog as we walk the dog. Sounds terrible, but that's the case. Now, we take the time to share our hearts as we're kind of walking the dog around the block, and it's a great time for us to connect. Thirdly is date and court your spouse 
each week. You know, it's a non-negotiable, regular scheduled date with your spouse. It speaks volumes. It doesn't have to always be romantic, but it speaks volumes to your spouse if on a regular basis you're dating. Some people have told me that they have not dated in years and years. I don't know how you can keep the spark burning if you don't date. Make this time a priority in your relationship. And then lastly, schedule into your life 1.5 hours a week for sexual intimacy. You know, spontaneity is wonderful when it comes to romance, and let's hope for many breathtaking, spontaneous moments. But all marriage authorities do agree that a scheduled regular time for sexual intimacy can bring a spark back to the relationship quite quickly. Okay? Listen. Great physical intimacy doesn't just happen. It's not limited to the bedroom only. Intimacy in marriage takes place when we honor each other and when we provide security for our spouse. And that's what we're talking about, Roger. We certainly are, Jim. And uh, we want to thank, once again, Gary Smalley and Ted Cunningham for being a part of the past couple of programs here on Homeward. If you missed any part of either one of these broadcasts, remember we are streaming audio at Homeward.com. You can podcast along with us through iTunes. Just go to Homeward.com, hit the podcast button. It'll take you right to our iTunes spot. And then you can go ahead and set up your free subscription there and then get the programs actually uh, several days in advance, depending on how quickly Ben and I are able to work to get them produced and get them up there. And then finally, thank you so much for your prayers and faithful financial support of the Ministry of Homework. We can't do this without you praying for us and also sending your financial contribution. If you have a 50 or 100, even $500 gift, you can give it online at homeward.com or write to Post Office Box 1600, San Juan Capistrano, California, 92693. Now for Dr. Jim Burns, our engineer Ben Camp, and the rest of the staff. I'm Roger Marsh. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time right here for another edition of Homeward. Homeward with Jim Burns is a production of the Homeward Center for Youth and Family at Azusa Pacific University.